Welcome to Simply Cyber. people what's up what's up good morning folks today is thursday december 1st happy december welcome to episode number 252 of simply cyber's daily cyber threat briefing i'm your host dr gerald Dozier, and over the next 45 minutes i'll be delivering the top cybersecurity news stories of the day to you and providing my expert analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner. So what can you do with this information? Or if you're looking to break into the industry, you're going to get value here. Good context, good terminology. It's good to stay up on what's going on. But before we get into it, I want to give a shout out and thanks to the stream sponsors, my friends, Barricade Cyber Solutions and Recon InfoSec. Barricade Cyber Solutions, as you can see on the stream here, Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. But Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Check them out at barricadecyber.com. Links in the description below. This is what the website looks like. I say it every day. Guys, if you don't have a plan for something bad happening to your business, Go to Barricade Cyber, click on Eric's calendar, schedule a meeting with him. It's not scary. It's not intimidating. You're not obligating your business or yourself to anything. You're just setting up a conversation with a like-minded professional to talk about what would happen if you got slapped in the face with ransomware. It's a great, great 30 minutes to invest. Uh, the return on that investment would be definitely worth it. I also want to say shout out and thanks to the stream sponsor, Recon InfoSec. We got a new read, y'all. I haven't even read this yet. If you're looking for help to augment your IT or security team with a fantastic managed detection and response service, MDR, I encourage you to consider Recon InfoSec. I love Recon InfoSec. They are legitimate security people running a very legitimate security business. Their MDR offering includes people, process, and technology needed to deliver full-spectrum security ops to organizations of any size, literally any size. One of the best things about Recon's MDR service is that they provide direct access to Recon's team of experienced SOC analysts, engineers, and architects anytime for any reason. Listen, they want to be your partner and help you. Like, they're not into like, oh, we charge by the incident. No, like... In, in in all honesty, like the way information security works, like the less noise, the less busy, the less incidents, the better, right? This is on the top of a fully managed SIM and SOAR, which gives you full visibility into your environment, as well as any incidents being investigated by the Recon InfoSec uh, SOC team, right? So unlike many of the big commodity MDR providers, you know who you are. Jeremy Williams of the Super Chat. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. Thanks so much, Jeremy. Happy happy birthday this week too, man. Um, unlike other big commodity MDRs, they offer big promises, deliver little value, 
Recon's MDR takes security first approach that provides real answers and effective defense. Check out the links below for Recon InfoSec in the description. Guys, here's the TLDR. If you've used an MDR service and had a really bad experience, which can happen with some of the larger MDR services that are basically businesses being run by business people, not security people, uh, you may have been unsatisfied with the, the service. Recon InfoSec's a little bit different than that. I want to remind you that every episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing is worth half a CPE. So say, what's up in chat? Get that half CPE. It stacks two and a half a week, 10 a month. So like once a month, once a quarter, log into your certification body uh, membership portal, document 10, 30, 40 CPEs that you've earned. If they ever question it, you can point back to the chat logs I have them burned right into the stream. They're right there. You see over here on the other side of this picture? That's you. You can just point that to your auditors and tell them what's up. Anna Lynn, good to see you. I feel like it's been a minute, Anna Lynn. Good to see you in chat. Hey, if you're live, love it. Woo! Rando dropping super chats. What? Did we just become best friends? I say yeah. Rando because I can't see the full name here. I can't see the full name. Can someone type in what's the full name? Because I want to say thank you. Um, if you're watching on Team Replay, hashtag Team Replay. Thank you for catching the stream. Make sure you say what's up in the chat so it gets it gets bur it like in the comments so it gets captured so you get credit for being here. All right, definitely want that. Now, if you're on replay, you're listening on your odd podio podcast podio podio audio podcast app of choice. You can jump ahead, but for the next couple minutes, uh, let's say I don't know. 38 seconds. No, let's say uh, a minute or so. I want to say what's up to everybody. Guys, uh, last day of teaching at the Citadel. Finals are next week. Uh, so we'll be getting onto an 8 a.m. sketch. Just to see you, Jess Ben. Randock Gaming, thank you. Good morning. Appreciate the reliable and great daily cyber news. Don't know if it's bad to ask, but as someone breaking into the industry, do you plan on making a break into cyber 2023 tips? You know what? Yes. I hadn't planned on it, but I'm going to write it down right now. And I got I got news for you, Randock. If it gets written down, it gets done. I do a lot of stuff. Breaking in 2023 tips. Um, hey, and I want to remind everybody, I am killing it on the interviews, right? Stay-at-home parent to cyber, um, um, mechanic to cyber, rabbi to cyber, uh, retail to cyber. Those videos are being made right now, so stay tuned for those. I'm super pumped. Guys, genuinely appreciate it. I'll catch up with you guys at the mid-roll, and then we'll also uh, do a little jawjacking on the tail end of the stream. So let's let's get into the news. Let's do what we're here for, y'all. Again, thanks for the super chats, Jeremy and Randock Gaming. Let's let's get into the into the news though. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. Thursday, December the 1st, oh, 2022. Elon Musk's Starlink and the White House targeted by Kilnet hackers. Russian-backed Kilnet claimed triple denial of service attacks against Elon Musk's Starlink, the White House and the Prince of Wales as punishment for their support of Ukraine against the Russian invasion. Kilnet claim it took down Starlink on November the 18th when customers complained on Reddit that they couldn't log into their accounts. Trustwave researchers found evidence to support the Russian-backed hackers' claims in collaboration with other groups, including Anonymous Russian, Radis and Halver. Kilnet boasted it was able to run 30 minutes of a test attack on the White House website on November the 17th, and the Prince of Wales site was attacked on November the 22nd, and warned that the NHS healthcare system would be next, with future threats on the London Stock Exchange and the British Army. All right. So, I mean, I, I, so, okay. So a couple things here. One, um, yes, Killnet has demonstrated that they are an effective distributed denial of service attack, uh, capability. They are almost, yes, they're pro Russia. Uh, I don't know if they're Russia state sponsored or not, but they are adopting much more of a cyber terrorism attack than, um, cyber warfare. So, a key difference just to kind of lay this out, cyber warfare is like Russia doing a denial of service attack at the beginning of the Ukrainian war conflict um, in March to like government sites at Ukraine kind of uh, depreciating their capabilities to respond to a kinetic attack of boots on the ground troops and stuff like that. That's that's cyber warfare. OK, cyber terror is where you're trying to uh, instill fear and still panic and still like, you know, like a terror attack. 
So if they're uh, knocking out Starlink, yes, Ukraine is using that, but other people are using that. If they're doing a uh, denial of service attack on the White House, the United States White House, that has, I mean, where we, the United States, are supporting Ukraine kind of uh, indirectly. But now, now that's more of a terror type attack. Um, Killnet, guys, distributed denial of service attacks, right? The, the thing with denial of services attack is like, it's only as good as long as you keep it up, right? It's not like uh, a wiper uh, malware. So a wiper malware will wipe your computer and then you've got rebuild it. You're down for a while. Ransomware does this too. A denial of service, it's like only like the... the the, the, the fire hydrant splash spray in the water is only doing it as long as you're holding that wrench on the fire hydrant to keep the water spraying, right? The second you let go of the wrench, the second you stop pushing data, the attack ends. And it's not like the victim has to do something to stop the attack. Like once the, I mean, they can do things to stop the attack. But what I'm saying is once, once the uh, kill net stops pushing data, then the site or the victim uh, goes back up without having to do anything on their side, right? So um, I, I don't know if you're going to be able to um, mitigate the risk of KillNet, but they're certainly a much more radicalized arm of kind of Russia's um, cyber capability, if you want to call it that, if they are associated with the state-sponsored actor. But um, yeah, just, just know. I mean, it's it sucks, right? Obviously, if or I, I got to stop saying suck, right? Suck, 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 suck. It's unfortunate because it does shake confidence in the population. But we have seen enough of these. This has been covered well enough to know that, um, you know, this is a temporary downtime, right? So, it, but if they're attacking stock exchanges and stuff, um, it's it's. It's going to cause a, a minor panic, but I don't think it's going to disrupt um, a society substantially. Okay, so at the end of the day, what we need to do is figure out how Killnet's doing this and um, kneecap their capability or arrest the people behind Killnet, although they're probably in Russia and that's not going to happen anytime soon. So, Link's Windows exploit framework used to send spyware. Google has discovered an exploit framework that targets now-patched vulnerabilities in the Firefox and Chrome web browsers and Microsoft Defender Security app to a Barcelona-based software company. Google's a Threat Analysis Group, or TAG, focuses on protecting Google users from state-sponsored attacks as well as keeping track of companies that enable governments to spy on political opponents, journalists and dissidents. TAG has found that the Spanish software company firm is a commercial surveillance vendor whose exploitive framework consists of multiple components that target specific software security flaws. Google is actively tracking 30 vendors selling surveillance capabilities or with ties to government sponsors, threat groups or actors and continues to take action against the commercial spyware industry. Malicious. All right, so... I'm just I'm just reading a little bit about this, trying to inform myself before I render an opinion because I'm not I'm not up to jawjacking up in here. Um, okay, so a couple things going on here. One, there is this uh, exploit framework. So it's a capability that exploits known vulnerabilities that have patches available for Google Chrome, all right? And Firefox apparently, but Chrome is what we're gonna focus on here. A framework is a tool set that allows threat actors to kind of put in their own pieces install their own kind of malware. Like, what are you into? It says spyware, but are you into key logging? Are you into screen captures? Are you into uh, siphoning off the clipboard every time something copied there? Like, what, what is it that you're trying to do? Or are you trying to do all of it? Um, they said that they're not seeing active exploitation in the wild, which is very good. Um, the Google Tag Group, the threat, uh, what are they? The threat analysis group, they do wonderful work. This is definitely, if you're looking to go a little bit deeper, get a little bit of additional information day to day beyond just the top news stories of the day, like we do here on the Daily Threat Briefing, subscribe to TAG's uh, newsletter or go to the Google TAG website. Um, They're one of the top tier, in my opinion, um, kind of threat analysis group. Cisco Talos is another good one. Uh, Palo Alto's Unit 42 is really good also. So again, if you're just looking to get a little bit more in threat intel, 
uh, more informed, a little deeper. Those are three excellent ones. Drop in chat if you um, if you have a threat analysis group that you like, or if you like any of those three, what your thoughts are. I'd be curious. Uh, the long story short, though, is um, there are patches available that will render this exploit um, ineffective. That's why they said end-day vulnerabilities. Zero-day vulnerabilities means there's no patch. End-day means that, you know, there there is a patch, but it's not widely deployed or it just recently came out. So be mindful, um, update your Chrome, <laughs> update your Chrome, tell your friends and family to update their Chrome. And if you can control centralized to manage it, like if you work at a bigger company and you roll out images and you are responsible for updating apps and stuff like that, make sure that those are getting updated. What What's unfortunate is that a lot of times, you know, the centrally managed computers aren't the problem. Those ones are actually pretty good security. It's the ones that are like not on Active Directory or are in a lab or a vendor brings in or, you know, whatever specialized computer. Um, we can't, we can't be connected to the domain because we need special policies or whatever. Like there's a million of these machines running around people's uh, networks. <laughs> so you gotta, you gotta not just push Chrome updates, but you've got to inform people to keep their stuff patched, right? Like if it's today, it's this Windows exploit framework. Tomorrow, it's some crypto miner, Chrome extension, Vipersoft, InfoStealer. Like it's, it's, it's another day. It's another pain in the butt uh, Chrome exploit. So just Chrome, it's Chrome is like the windows of like the nineties, right? It, it used to be like, there'd be like windows compromises, windows exploits, windows vulns, like every day. Uh, and it was because everybody was using windows. Like it was like the only option out there. So, uh, a lot of people use Google Chrome, a lot of people. And because of that threat actors are targeting it and trying to do exploits. Android app creates fake accounts on multiple platforms. A malicious Android SMS app named Simu was discovered on the Google Play Store to harvest text messages to create accounts on multiple platforms like Facebook, Google and WhatsApp. The Simu app had over 100,000 downloads and functioned as a relay for transmitting messages to an account creating service server. The malware used the phone numbers associated with the infected devices to gather one-time passwords that are sent to users to verify new accounts. Services illegally signed up using the phone numbers, including Google, Amazon, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and WhatsApp. Google has removed the app from the Play Store and banned the developer. Wow. Okay. So interesting. I mean, this is pretty clever. I have a couple problems with this, uh, honestly, but... Um... I have a little bit of problem. So this is called Simu. Um, it was, you know, it's like any of these other ones. It's like WhatsApp, um, Signal, Telegram. It's basically an SMS messaging service, but it was completely malware. It would, um, just like Telegram, like the first thing you do when you log in or WhatsApp, it's like, what's your phone number? Uh, and then you type it in and it's like, oh, cool, cool. Like now we're, you're going to get logged in here. And the idea is that it would create uh, it would look like you were using it, but it would create these fake accounts on these different platforms. I didn't fully understand if it was doing there. There are um, like, ex, you know, paid services that threat actors will like force you to sign up for. Like you don't realize you're signing up, but you sign up. It's like 900 numbers back in the 80s where like you, you, you accidentally sign up for something or you, you make a connection and it, you get charged back. Um, what's really confusing to me is that this application had a hundred thousand downloads i don't know if like bots did that in order to pump the numbers because like if you were to get this you'd look at it and go okay like a hundred thousand downloads like this thing must be legit right it, it 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 provides social proof that this is not some malicious bull crap okay paula terranova is that who it is i can't see it just says paula but i think it's paula terranova thanks for the um what did we just become best friends yep Yep. Hey, age, Kevin Knight, Pamela. This is un this is unfortunate. And Adam Lieb, enjoy the squad memberships. <laughs> enjoy the squad memberships. Compliments to Paula Terranova. Thank you so much, Paula. Enjoy those emotes, guys. Look at the emotes you just unlocked. Good times up in there, um, guys. Just you got to be careful. If I guess a couple like things to weaponize really quickly is uh, if if any of your users are installing this 
application. They absolutely should delete it immediately. The developer has been banned from the store. The app has been pulled. Um, I don't know if this is targeting United States-based users or if this is targeting... Um, I, I, I don't know if this is accurate or not, but I feel like Asian countries like Japan, China, um, Korea, Taiwan, you know, Indonesia. Like, I feel like those countries are quick to adopt different kind of messaging platforms. What is this? Look at that pop up. I've never even seen that. <laughs> that was cool. Um, you know, I guess I get surprised too sometimes here on the show. Um, so anyways, just be mindful uh, of that and, and just know that threat actors are doing this. And you might want to flag this one per personally because this is one of those rare examples where there's social proof baked into the attack to lend credibility to the, the malicious app being downloaded. Um, it's in the Google Play Store. It has 100,000 downloads. It looks legit. Why wouldn't you trust it? Electricity provider fined for storing users' passwords. Electricity provider Electricis de France was fined €600,000 by the French data protection watchdog on Tuesday for violating European Union general data protection regulation requirements. The provider was found to have stored the passwords of 25,800 accounts by hashing them using the MD5 algorithm. MD5 is considered broken since December 2008 because of the risk of collision attacks. The watchdog authority found that the passwords of more than 2.5 million customers' accounts had only been hashed and not salted which exposed the account holders to cyber threats. EDF was also found to have failed to comply with the GDPR data retention policies and for providing inaccurate information on data origin. The fines follow CNIL's Discord fine of €800,000 for failing to enforce a strong password policy and to respect data retention periods for inactive accounts. Okay. All right. So get your, like, don't drop it yet, but get your snake eyes emotes ready especially uh you new squad members paula Terranova just hooked up get get your snake eyes ready all right guys this i'm gonna i'm gonna dive a little deep um because this is a fundamental this is a fundamental aspect of of cybersecurity that everybody should know okay so i'm gonna take a minute and just dig into this 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 company this french electric company doesn't matter it could be french electric it could be simply cyber it could be a bakery down the street it could be a bank it doesn't matter they took users passwords and stored them uh and they thought that they were encrypting them and they they were they were hashing them with md5 now md5 is a hashing algorithm hashing algorithms are a one-way mathematical function that takes some input in this case your password and converts it into a long you know, math string, right? Like, like, a, like a either, I think it's a hexadecimal number or it's just a number. I think it's hex though. Long story short, you can open a terminal shell, right? You can open a terminal shell and do MD5. Oh, you can't do MD5. Whatever. There's, I'm not going to do it right now, but there's definitely ways to do MD5. Probably on a, um, on a Linux machine, it's native, but you could just type it in, type in a file. Now, why would you want to use MD5 hashes? Well, first of all, the, the password, if they steal uh, the password list, it's encoded one way, so they can't back it out. Now, I'll get to that in a second. Also, when you're logging into Active Directory, when you log into your Windows machine and you type in your password, the Windows machine validates with Active Directory that your password is in fact the right password, but it does not send your password across the network in clear text. No, it, it calculates a hash and sends the hash value across the network. And then Active Directory calculates that same hash on the password. And if the two hashes match, then you're authenticated. Okay. Now, Here's the thing, and this is why, if you ever heard the term pass the hash, that attack, that's what it's doing. Now, here's what the problem is. MD5 is a weak algorithm. Why is it weak, Jerry, you might ask? Well, because it's not that complicated. You can see right here, I'm on freerainbowtables.com. You cannot take a hash and back it out into a password. It doesn't work that way. But what you can do is you can take every possible permutation of a password, A, AA. AAA, AAB, password, admin, admin, one, two, three, four, five. God love you, right? Like 
you, you see where I'm going. You can take all the passwords and you can calculate them through MD5. And lowercase password through MD5 today, what that hash equals is the same thing that password with an MD5 hash was a month ago, two years ago, eight years ago, 10 years from now, 30 years from now. It will always be the same. So if you calculate it and save it off, it's called a rainbow table. And that's what we're looking at right here. And people have done this. This is a 362 gigabyte file. This is a 362 gigabyte file of MD5 hashes of all permutations of alpha, lower alpha, lower numerics, numerics, right? All spaces of one through seven characters, right? So if you have a 50 character password, um, you're not gonna have it in a rainbow table, but really who's doing that? So hopefully you see what I'm saying. If someone gets this dump, this password hash dump, all they have to do is take the rainbow table and look it up and all the passwords are completely compromised. This is why you don't use weak hashing algorithms to store passwords and why this French electric electricity provider was fined. Now, Hopefully you understand what hashing is, why we don't hash passwords with insecure hashing mechanisms, and how if you actually got a dump of hashes, how you could use a rainbow table to look at them. The final thing I'll say about this is, chance. this is one of those opportunities where InfoSec, it, the business does not understand information security. This was probably some analyst was like, oh, I've got to do something with these passwords. I'll use MD5 hashing. Look, no one can see what these passwords are, boss. High five. We win. I'm going uh, to get beers at a, um, at a French bistro. You hear me? The business doesn't know. We know as professionals that MD5 is weak. Uh, obviously, whoever's finding this guy, the, the, the government, knows that they're weak. And this is not okay. This is bad, bad juju. Uh, you could salt it, Carmen Sandiego says. You could, you could salt it. I don't know what the rules are around salting MD5. I mean, I guess once you salt it, it really, the, the rainbow tables don't necessarily work super well unless you can find out what the salting mechanism is. So then you could, um, you know, maybe try to reverse the salting. I'm not sure. But yeah, salting is adding a little bit of extra spice, a little extra seasoning on the password before calculating the hash. All right. There's, I'll tell you what too, there's always like a good, uh, in CTFs, there's always like a an MD5 hash uh, one. And I could spend, I have an entire lecture I do at the Citadel on hashing and why you use hashing and how it uh, helps with confidentiality, integrity, non-repudiation, all the good stuff. All right, let's do the mid-roll. And now a word from our sponsor, Automux. Threat exposure is a growing business risk. Today, vulnerabilities are piling up faster than traditional remediation processes and tools can fix them. But fixing vulnerabilities doesn't have to be a fire drill. Now you can eliminate threats and manage exposed endpoints with Automox Automated Vulnerability Remediation, the only cloud-native solution that harmonizes your SecOps and IT ops workflow and lets you fix vulnerabilities dramatically faster in minutes, not months. Visit automax.com to learn more and start a free trial today. Businesses found to increase cyber... Oh, man, she moved quick on that one. All right, mid-roll. You know what we're doing, y'all. Hey, 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 hey. All right, guys, just taking a minute in the mid-roll since there was a natural break in the conversation. I want to thank all of you for being here today. I see a 100 of you. I know 102 of you. I know it can be tough on the 10 a.m.s, uh, but that that's ending. We'll be 8 a.m. going forward for a while. Thank you, Barricade Cyber Solutions. Thank you, Recon InfoSec, for sponsoring the stream, uh, enabling me to do this and deliver the top news stories of the day and really, really have a great, great experience with the Simply Cyber community. I appreciate that. Guys, it is Thursday. A couple things go on on Thursday. I want to remind everybody, Recon InfoSec, that one of the sponsors in a, in a company that I believe in, they host a live discussion. It's a Zoom call every Thursday at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I'll drop a link in chat. Or if you Google Recon InfoSec Thursday Defensive, it'll come up. I, I join this. I will be in this later today. Uh, Carrie's been joining these quite a bit. I see some of you join these on the regular. This is real great stuff. You get to hear from industry experts. Uh, it's a very chill, very uh, casual conversation. Leonard Koopman... Uh, is going to be there today from Greylog. 
Um, so, oh wait, I'm sorry. Um, Ryan Chapman. No, no, no. Hold on. December 1st is Leonard Koopman. Yeah. Um, from Greylog. So catch that. You'll enjoy it. Trust me. Um, I also want to tell everybody this is kind of cool. Advent of Cyber on Try Hack Me started today. Um, it's free to join. It's a lot of fun. There's 24 challenges. If you guys want to do it, this is a great networking opportunity. Spend a little bit of time. Learn a little bit of stuff. You can win a Flipper Zero. Um, they're giving $40,000 worth of stuff. Um, it doesn't say featuring Jerry Ozier here. John Hammond, Neil Bridges, Insider PhD, CyberSec Meg, Security Ninja, Husky Hacks. There's a lot of great people uh, who are doing it. I also want to tell you, one other person who's doing an advent of cyber. I think I get like December 21st. Uh, I'll be doing one, which is super cool, right? Super pumped about that. So uh, check out Advent of Cyber. Get on board with it. It's going to be fun. Um, I'm excited. I've never done it before. I actually felt like really, really cool when they asked me if I wanted to do it because I didn't get asked last year and I got asked this year. And I'm like, yes, cool stuff. All right, guys. And it's Thursday, which means... Haircut Fish and Chat, a.k.a. Dan Reardon, does Thursday memes. And if you're new here, every Thursday, Dan makes a custom meme for the, the community to share. Today's no different. He's always on brand. Jerry got ran over by a reindeer walking home from teaching Christmas Eve. You can say it did not have some ransomware, but as for me and Jerry, we believe. So this is uh, Dan Reardon, Haircut Fish with the meme. Thank you so much, Dan. Always good times in the chat. Take it easy, Jeremy Williams. All right. So good stuff, good stuff, good stuff. Thanks, thanks, Dan Ridden. We'll just give this a hot second for the la 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 la's. Just a reminder, guys, the Simply Cyber newsletter. Just sign up, simplycyber.io slash newsletter. I write an email every Saturday that delivers to your inbox every Monday, 6 a.m. Eastern time with three actionable things. Alana just told me yesterday that she literally takes a couple nuggets from the, the newsletter every week and delivers it to her organization and gets mad value, mad props. Um, and, you know, I'm happy for it. That's why I do the newsletter. So you guys can take advantage of it and absolutely dominate at work. Now let's la 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 and get back to the news. Here we go. Get ready for the jarring transition, y'all. <laughs> ...to increase cybersecurity spend without clear strategy. According to a recent Fastly research study, most businesses surveyed were willing to spend more than their current cybersecurity budget. While 71% of businesses were confident in their current budgets, 73% wanted them to increase. In the US, 85% of IT leaders felt their current budget was inadequate and 79% wanted it to increase. Although increasing the budget may not be the solution, many businesses surveyed felt they experienced information overload and were blindly putting faith in the latest technology. Fastly also found that 39% of current cybersecurity tools were not fully deployed and active, and only 42% of those that are fully operational overlap. Yeah. Guys, we could do a whole uh, <laughs> we could do a whole fireside chat about this. All right, so there's a there's a couple things going on here. Um, this what I'm about to tell you is more of a macro level picture of how information security programs run, how CISOs think, and how organizations operate. So this is a the MD5 hashing was like a, a snake eyes yo Joe. The more you know on a very technical piece, what I'm about to share with you is a much more business focused macro level organizational thing okay businesses increase cyber spending without clear strategy okay this is true here are several problems that happen the business side of the house wants to be secure okay they want to be secure but all the business side of the house understands is Great cash, homie. money how much is it going to cost me okay what's the number i want to stroke a check and get back to making widgets or baubles or whatever the business is. I, I don't care like what it is, nerd. Secure my business. Tell me the number. Okay. So that's part one. You cannot, here's the, the reality though. You can't just throw money at a problem when it comes to cybersecurity. What happens a lot of times is a CISO will say, oh, we need uh, like some vendor will come up to them and say, hey, like we sell the coolest, newest thing 
firewall, next gen, EDR, automation, AI, ML, like all this buzzword crap, Adam, single pane of glass. And the CISO's like, especially if the CISO doesn't know what they're doing, which actually happens. People get hired into positions and they don't know how to do them. So CISO's like, sounds good. Like you're saying that I'll be secure and all I have to do is give you a check for $400,000. No problem, done. So they give him the check for 400 grand. Here's the problem, guys. You like tech isn't the only solution. Like tech by itself does not solve problems. Do you know how many times I have been in a business and there's like, technology racked and stacked, right? We're paying for it. There's a passive vulnerability scanner on the network, okay? We're paying $75,000 a year for the dang thing to be there. Guess what? The tech is fine. You know what you need? Human power, person power, manpower, woman power to actually look at the dang thing with regularity, do something with the findings, care and feed the technology, manage the technology, follow up on alerts that the technology is being done. You know what? That didn't show up in the $400,000 line item that the CFO stroked a check for. We're talking about hours. We're talking about labor. We're talking about prioritized focus for your team. That's not happening. CISOs try to throw money at problems and you need people, process, and technology to be effective at defending and securing a business. Guess what? Most of them are doing one. And this this title right here is really getting me lit up because the, the, the real reality is they're increasing their cyber spend because risk is going up and they're like, oh, let me just throw some more money at it. Dude, and, and, okay, and here's the thing. Say you get a huge budget. Say you make the most compelling pitch because you're wicked slick at being salesy and you're like, I need $40 million to do this, right? Which is an absurd amount of money, but let, let's make it real. Let's say I need $3 million over the next five years to do that. And the CFO is like, yeah, hey, no problem. Here's a check for $3 million. Like we just got a windfall. Here's $3 million. Okay, now you've got your budget. Now you actually are going to be held accountable because you can't point to the fact that, oh, we're understaffed, we're underpowered, we're underfunded, we don't have budget, blah, we're doing the best we can, we're trying to make a dollar out of 15 cents. You can't say any of that crap anymore, okay? And then CISOs get exposed for not knowing what they're doing. Now, some some obviously will take the money and do something excellent with it, but it does happen where they don't and they don't know what they're doing. Okay, second thing that happens that they point out here. CISOs on average last 18 months, okay? It's, it's starting to creep up to 24 months. But dude, when I'm a CISO and I come into an organization, the first thing you want to do is the first 90 days, you got to figure out like, where's the bathroom? How does people do business here? What's important? Who's my boss? Who sucks? Like what's general counsel's position? That's the first three months, okay? So now you're figuring out what's going on. Then the next three months, you have to figure out like, what is my exposure here? Do we have MFA? Do we have MDM? Are we doing security awareness? Do we have SecOps? Do we need MDR, right? There's like a million things going on and you have to baseline and figure out how gross is your risk exposure, right? Did the last guy that was in this seat do a terrible job or a good job? You can't just snap your finger and find that out. You need to do the work, right? It is work. All right, so now you're at month six. You figure out what the problem is. You Maybe you do this already or it takes you another 45 days. Let's just say 30 days to make it easy math. You do the 30 days to say, okay, listen, um, Here's my plan. Okay, here's my plan. Here's where we are. Here's where we need to be. Here's my plan. Here's how much it's going to cost. Now you got to wait for a board meeting or whatever. Meanwhile, you're still dealing with like active incidents, active stuff happening, active business, day-to-day -day stuff. You don't get just to work in an ivory tower and then like unveil your plan. No, you got to do all that stuff. So now you're at month seven or eight. You get your budget, you get your funding, you start executing, right? And now rubber hits the road and you're starting to implement, right? We need to implement MFA and the business is pushing back. We need to implement firewalls or privileged access management or network access controls. And the CISOs start realizing, oh, I didn't get the budget for X, Y, and Z, or I only got enough budget to deploy at the main facilities, not the remote facilities. And, the, and, then, and then the CISOs find out that like, oh, the director of IT actually doesn't like me. And, and like they have a competing agenda. So now you start getting... Um, uh, pushback and stuff like that, or you're not executing on your schedule. And when you have to report to the board or to the CEO and you're like, oh, we're behind schedule and all this, you start feeling like, you know, you're not doing your part of the job. Takes six months to find a job on average for a CISO. So now you're at month 12, you start looking for a new job. Okay. 
Maybe you find one, maybe you don't, and then you move, and then the problem repeats again, and you've got to start over. This is what the problem is with all of this. You cannot throw money at it. Sorry, I went too long on that. Australian bill passes to fine companies $50 million for data breaches. The Australian government has markedly increased their penalty fines from $2.2 million to $50 million after a new bill was passed to combat repeat offenders of serious data breaches. Companies are fined 30% of their adjusted turnover or three times the value of any benefit received through misuse of information. The new bill comes after major breaches at Optus and Medibank that resulted in the leak of the personal data of 12 million customers combined. The Privacy Legislation Amendment Bill bestows more powers on the Australian Information Commissioner and modernises outdated existing safeguards. Commissioner Angeline Falk said, New information sharing powers will facilitate engagement with domestic regulators and our international counterparts to help us perform our regulatory role efficiently and effectively. Okay, so check it out. Australia. Dude, I don't know if Internal Stranger or some of the other Aussies are in chat right now, but dude, Australia gets embarrassingly breached like three times in like a week. Their Metabank healthcare record, 8 million people hit a couple weeks ago. Right before that, like a major telecom, I forget which one it's what it's called, but a major telecom in Australia gets hit. Breach, breach, breach. Everybody's getting breached. I literally saw... Um, uh, news reporter, some, somebody passed something to me. Like Australia is like openly saying that they're going to hack back. Like they're just like, they're, they're like, okay. Like, like, you know, taking their jacket off and laying it across a chair and starting to stretch out and like stepping out into the street with like fists up. Like Australia is ready to go to the mattresses now with cyber attackers. They went from like zero to incredibly angry, wicked fast. Like they went zero to mad, like a Bostonian does. Okay. So they're wicked mad. They passed this this legislation, man. You want to talk about the speed of business? This government moves quick. They are so mad about all this that now they're going to fine companies uh, for suffering data breaches, which is not going to be uh, looking good. Uh, I am kind of curious to see what the first company or companies that get hit with these fines, what the fines actually look like when it comes to rubber meets the road. But obviously, Australia is trying to protect their citizens, and by implementing financial fines, they are suggesting that companies need to take their security seriously uh, in order to avoid getting fined, right? So they're, they're, putting a, they're putting pressure on Australian businesses to improve their overall information security. I will tell you this, guys. You know, I've, I've done InfoSec for a very long time. Like, you pass this legislation today. As I just lost my mind a moment ago on CISOs and information security programs, you can't turn a cruise ship around uh, in a second, right? It takes a lot of time to build a program, implement security, get budget, execute on the, on the strategy, um, address shortcomings, identify gaps, weaknesses, educate your end users. All, all those things take time, right? Like a really, I have implemented a program from zero to like decent in 15 months, right? And that was at like a thousand person company. So not very big. I was able to move a little bit more agile, but it like, that's me trying on a smaller scale to do it as fast as I can with budget. And it took me 15 months. Okay. So some companies are definitely going to get slapped for this, unless this, this um, legislation has some type of like warm-up period, which a lot of, like we see this in the US regulations too, quite a bit. Like you have 90 days to get X, 120 days to report, 180 days to do X. So uh, that could be the case. Otherwise, stay tuned for news stories coming about the first company to get slapped with a fine. Android and iOS apps extort and harass borrowers. More than 280 Android and iOS apps on the Google Play and Apple app stores have trapped borrowers in vicious loan schemes with misleading terms while using various methods of extortion and harassment. The apps store data from mobile phones that are not required to offer loans. Once the predatory loan apps are installed, it requests access to sensitive data and uploads it to their own servers, which it then uses as ransom. Cybersecurity firm Lookout produced a recent report where researchers uncovered 251 Android 35 OIOS lending apps that were downloaded 15 million times, specifically in developing countries like India, Thailand, Mexico and the Philippines, where fraud is less likely prosecuted. Google and Apple removed all of the apps after Lookout reported their findings. Small. Hmm. 
Oh man. This this is so gross. So gross. Um All right, so this sucks, man. This is really, really predatory. All right, so there are people out there in the world who don't have access to money, right? Even a micro loan to open a business or start an Etsy, you know, whatever. Like, you know, people want to improve their situation. Like, uh, by and large, most people want to improve their situation. But in some developing countries, you know, in the United States, you can go get, you know, a loan. Or, you know, you might not be able to get as much a loan or crappy terms, but you can go to a bank and get a loan. In some countries, you can't do that. Well, these there's apps out there, um, you know, and we hear about micro loans and all the great stuff. Like there are legitimate programs out there doing micro loans, but these apps do micro loans and they will sell you, uh, give you loans, but they're predatory because they do two things. One, they're an information stealer. So they will not allow you to submit the loan request without giving full access to your phone. So right there, they're horrible, horrible people because they're they're sucking up all your photos, your messages, your email, everything. They're just harvesting it wholesale, okay? Then they actually do issue you a loan, but according to the story, they only give you part of it and then they change the terms from you know, 180 days, like 30 days. And they, you know, they increase the, the it's, it's like loan sharking, except way grosser um, and deceptive. And, you know, I guess because maybe you're like in, you know, wherever, like whatever country, let's say Hong Kong, and you're loaning to someone in Brazil, um, who, you know, whose laws apply there. And then they start sending, um, you know, harassing messages, harassing mails. And it's out, from one thing I saw, like, you're not paying your loan. I take, I find some compromising photo that I sucked up from your phone and I either edit it, uh, blur it out, or actually maybe you're wearing clothes and I, t- I make it and you're not wearing clothes. And I send it to you and I say, pay your loan or give me as much money as you can, or I'm going to release this to your contacts, which by the way, I've sucked all your contacts out. So that's easy enough for me to do. This is really gross. I'm glad Android and iOS actually removed all these from the app store, but the damage is done, man. 15 million people installed these apps. 15 million people. Even if you did 1% of that or 10% of that, right? That's 1.5 million. If you did 1%, right? What is that? 150,000 people negatively impacted, like 1%, heavily, heavily messed up. It sucks. I hope they find these people and beat them with a hose. Biz IS users see an increase in attacks. In the latest Sophos report, SMBs were found to be increasingly exposed to attacks via their cloud infrastructure. Over half surveyed experienced an increase in the volume and complexity of attacks. The security vendor Sophos surveyed 4,984 IT professionals across 31 countries whose businesses use infrastructure as a service. Of those surveyed, 53% experienced an increased impact from the attacks they received over the last year, while 60% reported they were hit by ransomware. With the public cloud service market set to grow to $600 billion next year, Sophos report indicates that SMBs must prioritize security and implement best practices with updated technology to combat future threats. Thanks for listening. All right. Hey, naturally me, I see your question. I'll ask it after the news program. Okay. So uh, small biz in infrastructure as a service seeing surge in attacks. Okay. No surprise here, guys. Infrastructure as a service is one approach to cloud where it truly is like you, moving your data center from on-prem into the cloud, right? There's infrastructure as a service, which is this. There is software as a service and there is platform as a service, okay? So think of it as like Microsoft Word in Office 365 or Google Docs as software as a service. Think of Amazon Route 53, or um, which is their DNS solution, or think of Lambda, which is like their serverless um, execution technology as platform as a service, okay? And then infrastructure as a service is like you're straight up building VMs and installing your own software and stuff like that. Okay, in a normal organization, you have your server closet or your data center, you have your workstations, endpoints, and you have your network. I would put a vulnerability scanner on my network, scan my IP range, typically a RFC 1918 compliant, non-public routable, right? So your 172s, your 192s, your 10 dots, whatever. 
you scan those and you get reports, you have visibility, you find shadow IT, good to go, good to go. Well, when you're spinning up VMs in cloud, you know, it's a different world up there. Yes, it's a Windows server and yes, you're it's providing, you know, a file server or whatever service you want it. But you might not know the network range of where it is. You might not easily be able to install a vulnerability scanner on that cloud network and or you might not even see it, right? Sometimes R&D people will stand up, you know, fit test systems, dev systems in cloud to quickly try something, try out a, a project, see if it's working because it's cost effective, right? They don't need to procure hardware. They don't need to stand it up. They can just spin it up, test it, spin it down. Well, because of all that, it's effectively like shadow IT. We as cybersecurity professionals, especially at small businesses, small, medium-sized businesses, are not accounting for those systems in our environment when we're looking at it for, are they patched? Are they protected? Do they have good um, configurations? Are they exposed to the internet unknowingly? We're not looking at those things. And that's that's what this story is saying. There is a problem with that. And because we're not looking at those things, they are more likely to be misconfigured or insecure. And threat actors, surprise, surprise, have figured that out and they are attacking that. So the, the key here is, I'm gonna take a note about this, IIS, IT. This will probably be my in my newsletter is the mid the mid uh, you know tell your peers this one. But here's the TLDR. If you guys are using cloud in any way other than email for Office 365, if you are spinning up VMs in the cloud for your business in any capacity, you need to account for how are you making sure that those systems are secure. You need to tell the IT people likely IT people that are spinning up those VMs. Hey, I need we need to approach this in a very um, deliberate, uh, structured way. When are you spinning them up? What network are they on? How like is there a um, is there a template that you're building it from? Is the template been reviewed? Is it secure? Like, can I look at it? Can I have input to it? It will be work to fix this problem. There is no magic button that you're just going to hit. Also, how are you going to vulnerability scan it? You might have to get a cloud-based version of the vulnerability scanner or grant permissions, firewall rules if you're on-prem to scan up into the cloud. It's not an easy problem to solve, but um, you, knew, you do need to be mindful of it because there's there is concrete evidence indicating that threat actors are targeting that space. So your risk profile, your likelihood in your risk calculation has increased. So, you know, I don't know what else to tell you. Like this is leading a horse to water. Like you, InfoSec Pro, and you, IT person, need to drink the water. You need to look at your infrastructure. You can't just be like, oh, this is hard. Forget, like... Like this is hard, isn't a good response, okay? You either spin down the uh, infrastructure as a service because it's too hard to do it correctly or put in the work and time and effort and do it correctly, period. All right, that's gonna do it for the news story. Let me play some music. I appreciate y'all being here today. I wanna remind everybody that tomorrow at 4.30 p.m. Eastern time, we got a new show that we're gonna be piloting Eric Taylor from Barricade Cyber Solutions, DJ BSEC from DJ BSEC uh, on the ones and twos on the Twitch channels will be there as a host. Jack Scott from Outpost Gray will be there as a host. And this guy, two thumbs and smile, and Jerry from Simply Cyber will be the host, although they'll probably do more talking than me because you will be able to call in like a radio program and I will be manning, I'll be the producer behind the glass. Um, bringing people in. You got a hot take on what we're talking about. Give your 60 seconds hot take on what it is. We'll drop you. We'll either discuss it or we'll, we'll bring in another person for a hot take. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. I have big plans for this show. We're just going to work through all the kinks tomorrow and have a good time with it. Um, I hope you can join us 4.30 p.m. Eastern time. It'll be all about good times. Now, that does it for the news story. So if you are here just for the news, feel free to uh, jump off now, terminate the call, end the stream, whatever you want to do. Thank you so much for being here. We will be back tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. Eastern time for the daily cyber threat briefing. Thanks so much. Now, if you want to stay here, I am going to spend a few minutes hanging out, uh, having a couple uh, conversations, a couple things, and we'll, we'll see what's up. Okay, so 
Naturally, me asked a question a little while ago about CMMC. Where is it? Jerry, what about CMMC? Do you think this will be a major problem for companies doing business with the government? Okay, so just so we all know, CMMC is basically... Um, actually, hold on. I got to do this so you guys can see chat. CMMC uh, is a... It's a, it's a set of, like, I'm going to break it down basically on what it actually means. CMMC is basically a set of security controls that you have to implement if you're going to do business with the U.S. government. Any contract coming out of the U.S. government starting in 2025, I believe, is going to have a, a contract line item that says your CMMC level whatever, two, level three compliant, depending on like what the contract's for. Now... CMMC compliance was going to be difficult to get. Now, they've they've scrapped everything, and now they're coming out with CMMC 2.0. Jack Scott in stream is well-versed on CMMC and what's going on with that. I do believe one of the sticking points for CMMC was that you had to be independently audited, right? Uh, and then there was like a whole bunch of corruption and, and money and, and greasiness around who was allowed to get audited. How did you get certified to be an auditor? How do you get trained? Who gets paid for training? Who's authorized to do the training? It was it was really greasy and it was all about great cash, homie. But they've scrapped all that. I think CMMC 2.0 is actually going to allow for self attestation for level one and level two, which is the lower levels. Um, Here's the here's the reality, guys. Self attestation. No one's checking it. NIST 800-171 used to be what CMMC has become, and that was self attestation. And lo and behold, everybody was compliant with 800-171, and then people were getting breached all over the place because they were being very generous with is this control in place. So yes, the question is. It will not be a problem for businesses if you're allowed to do self-attestation because they're going to do their best and I guarantee you they're all going to pass even if they're not actually compliant. Um, and I'm not saying that they're lying. I'm just saying that they will be very liberal with their interpretation of what each control means. Because if you're a small, if you're a five-person business, a 10-person business, with all due respect, it is very expensive and very difficult and honestly complete overkill to comply with all of the requirements in CMMC. Certain ones are, are much harder for small businesses to acquire. You could also see a little bit of a cottage industry popping up where um, like, oh, like we'll offer you, you know, security as a service where like you can pay us a monthly fee, like say, I don't know, $10,000 a month. And we'll make sure that all of these hard things that you need to comply with are in place. Um, but like, dude, like pushing logs, pushing logs from your endpoints to uh, like a SIM is one of the controls basically. But if no one's looking at the SIM, if the SIM isn't tuned, if it's just like an out of the box SIM, you're not really getting any security value. You're not reducing risk. You're just pushing logs somewhere for the sake of compliance. So. Uh, it's a long rant. There's there's a lot of... We can do streams on CMMC, naturally me. It's a hot mess express. It was a money gram. Nathan Bullen says, interview with Boeing didn't go as well as I'd hoped. Sorry to hear that, Nathan. I hope that I get a call back from Deepwatch. Love the JD provided for the role. I'm looking to get fingers crossed. Well, I hope the very best for you. Um, Nathan Bullen, let's give you one of these. Get you going. Self-attestation's crazy. You dang right, Requiem. It sure is. It's silly, actually. Never fail the self. I don't know anyone that fails self-attestations. Will the government take word for itself? I mean, that's what they've done in the past with 800-171, right? Isn't that high risk on the controls that matter? Yes, it is, but, um, you know, it's, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm a cynical person, you know, as you guys have seen from time to time. I do say cynical stuff. Um, it, it it's it's not the right it's not the right solution. It's good it's good in theory to require your uh, the defense and de the defense industrial base to comply with certain security controls, both for like the security of the U.S. government and the security of the business themselves. But you've got to remember that InfoSec is a cost center. So if I'm a business and uh, you know like I I have six people and I have a million dollar contract money's good and then you're like oh you know you need to spend three hundred thousand dollars on security this year to, to comply with all these things i'm gonna be like dude no like piss off like i'm not spending a third of my revenue 
for something that I don't see value in. We're a 10 person company. We don't have active, not that the business is going to say that, but they're going to say like, we all run MacBooks. Apple's wicked secure. We have Office 365 for email. Why do I need, you know, EDR solution? Or why do I need, um, you know, a SIM? I don't even know what a SIM is. I don't even have staff to run SIMs. So it's a hot mess express. All right, chat seems awfully quiet, so uh, I don't know if you guys uh, are not not interested to in have a little bit of talk, but um, I appreciate y'all being here. I will uh, drop drop here. Uh, got some videos in the in the chat or in the pipeline. Just to remind everybody, I'm working on a series of videos um, of different roles to InfoSec. Okay, so I've done stay-at-home parent. That's an editing. I have done. Rabbi to InfoSec, that's an editing. I've done paramedic to InfoSec, that's an editing. And then retail, oh my God, retail to InfoSec. Waiting till you see Mia's interview. This woman is amazing. Uh, I can't wait to share that one. Uh, I've got mechanic to InfoSec, teacher to InfoSec. I'm running a poll over on LinkedIn on what you guys want to see next. I think, honestly, um, the winner is train conductor right now. Last I checked, train conductor to InfoSec. So, um, dude, when, when I'm done with this series, we are going to have a catalog of videos. You, you guys, you got to remember, you got to remember, like if you're trying to do the YouTube algorithm, if you're trying to go viral, if you're trying to blow up your YouTube channel, you make content that applies to a lot of people, right? So like that, that uh, video that was asked for earlier, breaking into cybersecurity in 2023. That's a great video for mainstream. Lots of people it's going to associate with. What I am doing with this uh, video series is super niche. It's actually inverted uh, if you're trying to like blow up a YouTube channel, but I don't care. I don't care. What I am trying to do, the whole premise of this video series, just so everybody understands exactly what my motivation is, is I don't want anybody who is a stay-at-home parent or a teacher or a paramedic or whatever to be like, oh, I don't work in IT. InfoSec's not for me. It's too hard. It's overwhelming. I don't know how to do it. I can't do it. Like, I can't do it is not an answer. It's not a statement I want to hear. I want you to be a train conductor and go onto YouTube one day and be like, well, I don't know, train conductor to cyber. And I want my video to be the first one to come up and I want it to be explicitly made exactly for that person. That's why I need to make all these videos, paramedic, mechanic, philanthropist, massage therapist, teacher. I need to make all of them so that person can know that it can be done and that it has been done and that this person is gonna tell you exactly how they did it. So it's not, you know, general person to InfoSec in 2023. It's, it's, you know, mechanic or, you know, pharmacist. Brady McNulty's in chat right now. He's coming on. He's doing pharmacist. Anybody, anybody, I don't care what you do today. Anybody can get into cybersecurity. You know what you have to do? And this turns a lot of people off. You have to put in the work. You have to take initiative. You have to be proactive. You have to grind. It, it's it's work, man. There's no easy button. There is no shortcut. There is no stroke a check, $10,000 boot camp and you're in. It's work. But if you like it, it can be done. You just have to do it. And that's what the video series is all about. I'm very passionate about this, okay? Requiem, Air Force physical therapist. Love it, love it. Sorry, I kind of flipped out there. Uh, I am doing a teacher one, uh, naturally me. I am doing a teacher one. I, I know, Carrie. I know, Carrie. But you're doing all the right things, Carrie. Jenny Housley, what's up? Good to see you. Hey, just a reminder, guys, starting on Monday next week, every Monday I will be live streaming World of Haiku or Haiku Pro Let's Play game, uh, video game style Let's Plays. Jenny Housley is... Uh, <laughs> Jenny Housley is like my my uh, emergency relief switch button. She helps out so much. Thank you so much, Jenny, for all you do. Uh, yeah, you have to grind. Pivoted from HR, naturally me. Oh, naturally me. Maybe maybe we should talk HR to cyber. Definitely could get in on that. Um, here, let me do one more. All right, guys. I appreciate all you do. Justin Gold, my man. 
Shane Prevost, my man, get that coffee on. Guys, that's going to do it for uh, today's stream. I'll be back tomorrow at 8 a.m. I'll see some of you uh, periodically throughout the day. I do not have a Thursday live scheduled for this afternoon as of right now. I may do kind of a renegade AMA pop-up because I do stream every Thursday at 4.30 p.m. I just, I've got a lot going on personally. Some of you know what's going on. My family is fine. My health is fine. My kid's health and my wife's health is fine. It's not anything like that. I'm, 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 there's a lot going on that I'm having to manage. Um, in addition to all the other things I do. So, um, the, yes, exactly, Justin Gold. It might be a rogue stream. We might be testing out the call, the radio call-in feature. So if you want to kick it old school and see what audio issues look like, you know, Cyber Coffee, Carl, and audio. If you want to know why that audio is there, uh, we might actually see later today on the stream. Um, so we'll have a good time. Winemaker to Cyber. Heck yeah. Look at you, Jeff Fuller. Heavy equipment operator, chiller instinct. I love it. Dude, yeah, guys, um, stay stay with me. Uh, if I don't mention it at some point, but Chiller Instinct, Jeff Fuller, Naturally Me, remind me. I, I just, I have a lot going on and a bunch of these videos are already scheduled. I'd love to get your stories as well. All right, guys, that's going to do it for today's stream. Thank you all for being here. Thank you for all you do. Uh, if you did, If you're still here, hit the like button. Everybody enjoys a good like button from time to time. And we will see you tomorrow at 8 a.m., Eastern Standard Time. Take care, everybody. Oh, nice. Get that Simply Cyber love. Thanks, Paula, uh, for the subs uh, donations. Uh, everybody enjoy that. Have a good one, guys. We'll see you in a little bit.